The Singular Story of the Statue by Norman Hunter In the Grand Hall of the Royal Palace of Incredibleania stood a statue, a life-size statue, a frightful statue. It scared the eyebrows off anyone who came across it in the dark because it was ghastly white and ghostly. It put people off their favourite meals when they came across it in the daylight because it was so ugly. And it needed a fearsome amount of dusting. I do wish we could get rid of that wretched thing, said the Queen one day, when her embroidery wouldn't come right, and she felt a bit cross. Yes, agreed the King. I can't stand it either. It reminds me of my old headmaster. But we can't get rid of it. Oh, yes, I know, said the Queen, because it's a statue of a charcoal burner who was the seventh son of a seventh son and saved the kingdom from a dragon hundreds of years ago. Exactly, said the King, and it's got to stay there and be looked after with great care because there's a law which says anyone who damages the statue must be flung into prison forever or longer, whichever is shorter or something like that. Well, said the Queen, trying to thread a chunky bit of silk through a needle with a skinny little eye. As it's got to stay there, it's got to be kept dusted or the palace will look like a... She didn't have time to say what the palace would look like, because at that moment there came a great crash from the direction of the Grand Hall. Oh my goodness, don't say the statue's been smashed, cried the Queen. But it wasn't the statue. It was the royal painters and decorators getting ready to whitewash the ceiling of the Grand Hall. As the ceiling was so high, they had to fix up scaffolding, and one rather new royal painter and decorator had dropped a great sheet of corrugated iron right from the top of the scaffolding to the floor. The second footman dashed out of the way in case anything else was going to be dropped and ran into the Lord Chamberlain, who was just rushing in on his way to see the king about a party for Princess Sonia's birthday. And the second footman knocked the Lord Chamberlain right into the statue, which went over with a crash of its own and smashed to pieces on the floor. Crash, bang, tinkle. Bits of statue shot all over the place and the second footman, the Lord Chamberlain, and the royal painters and decorators shot after them, picking up pieces. Quick, quick, gasped the Lord Chamberlain. Their majesties will be coming along to find out what the noise is. If they find the statue's been smashed, some will be sent to prison forever. Probably you, he pointed at the second footman. No, no, gasped the footman. You, it was you who knocked the statue over. But you pushed me, argued the Lord Chamberlain. Get the bit swept up and hidden, shouted the royal chief painter, being all practical. You must be the statue till we can get it mended, he said to the footman. Me? What, me? No, 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 cried the footman. But the royal painters and decorators seized him, painted him white all over with whitewash, and stood him on the pedestal. Now look like a charcoal burner cried the chief royal painter, and be quick, the rest of you, help me hide the bits. They swept bits under the carpet, they hid pieces behind things and inside things, and the two legs of the statue, which somehow had stayed in two pieces below the knees, were pushed into a large pot behind some flowers, only just in time. 
Now, what's all this noise, may I ask? said the Queen, holding her nose in the air to make her look fierce, but which also made it difficult for her to see where she was going. So she nearly bumped into the statue of the footman. <laughs> she said, staring at the footman. Fortunately, she still had her embroidery glasses on, so that the footman looked a bit blurry, and she didn't notice that he wasn't a real statue. This statue needs dusting, she said, drawing one finger across the footman's foot. It looks even worse than usual. It seems to be uglier than ever. Phew, that's a bit rude, thought the footman. But all he could do was keep on looking as much like a charcoal burner as possible. Send for the royal sculptor, ordered the queen, and tell him to chip a bit off the nose. I think that might improve the look. Oh dear, thought the Lord Chamberlain. But he had to send for the sculptor, and he went quite pale to think what would happen when the sculptor started chipping at the footman's nose. And the footman went even paler, but he didn't show because of the whitewash. Take a good bit off, said the Queen, when the royal sculptor had climbed up his steps. Yes, Majesty, he said. He put his chisel against the footman's nose and raised his mallet. Stop, whispered the footman hoarsely. I'm not the statue. The statue got broken, but their majesties mustn't know. The sculptor was so astonished and scared at hearing what he thought was the statue talking to him that he dropped his mallet on the king's foot. His majesty had been busy reading the list of guests Princess Sonia wanted for her birthday party and wondering how many he could cross off, and he'd been taking no notice of anything. But he noticed the mallet... He cried most unmajestically. Then the sculptor fell off the steps, and next moment there was another loud noise. But this time it was the first footman sounding the gong for dinner. And the king and queen lost all interest in the statue and went off to the dining room. Quick, gasped the Lord Chamberlain. We must get the pieces of statue stuck together before their majesties finish dinner dashed into the dining room and told the king that he'd stay and see that the sculptor did the job properly, if his majesty would excuse him. Make dinner last ever so long, he whispered to the butler. Urgent disaster has happened. Need time to get things put right before majesties come out or catastrophe. Ah, uh, indeed, sir, said the butler, gravely serving the gravy. But the Lord Chamberlain had gone. He got some glue and rushed back to the grand hall where the second footman had changed his painting clothes for ordinary ones and managed to scrape most of the whitewash off his face. Hurry, hurry, gasped the Lord Chamberlain, collecting pieces of the statue. We must get it done before dinner is over. He dragged the unbroken legs of the statue out of the flower pot where he'd hidden them and stood them on the pedestal. This makes a good start. right all cried the sculptor enthusiastically. And he got half the statue's left arm stuck together before he noticed that he'd stuck the nose on instead of the thumb. Their majesties were already halfway through dinner. Who are we going to invite to Sonia's birthday party? asked the queen, thinking that would be a good thing to argue about as she never liked eating in silence. Um, said the king with his mouth full, as he never liked talking at meals because it interfered with eating. The butler began serving the pudding. Out in the grand hall, the statue was still all over the place. There are lots of bits missing and plenty of halls with no bits to fill them, said the sculptor, rummaging about among the pieces. 
I don't care much for these giant-sized 3D jigsaw puzzles. Oh, stick paper over the holes, cried the Lord Chamberlain, getting ears and fingers and pieces of face all mixed up. Dinner is nearly over, said the butler, popping his head round the dining room door. And he surprised the others so much that they dropped the patched-up statue on the floor again. All the pieces came unstuck and several of the big bits got broken into more little bits. Oh, there goes another plate, said the Queen. I hope it isn't the spotted peacock design. They aren't making them any more, you know, and we can't get replacements. Back came the butler, wondering how to make dinner last longer. He sent the pudding round again, knowing the king and queen loved treacle pudding. The Lord Chamberlain, the sculptor and the second footman, nearly in bits themselves with anxiety, started sticking the bits of statue together once more, not caring now where they put anything. The king and queen finished their fourth helping of pudding and the butler brought round some highly smelly cheese. Nearly done at last, said the Lord Chamberlain. Dinner is over, whispered the butler, popping out again. Oh, gasped the Lord Chamberlain, but the king and queen had eaten so much they were in no hurry to get up from the table, so that there was time to trim up the mended statue and get it back on the pedestal. Then out came the king and queen. Ah, said the queen, that looks a great deal better. The nose is so much shorter. It certainly was. The Lord Chamberlain had stuck the top of the thumb on in mistake for the statue's nose. See that it's properly dusted, said the Queen. She gave the statue a poke with her finger. Crash, bang, wallop. Down went the patched up, shakily mended statue in even smaller pieces all over the floor. Now you've done it, my dear, said the King. You smashed the statue. That means you'll have to go to prison forever and there'll be nobody to tell me to change my vest. Nonsense, cried the Queen. The law doesn't apply to me. They can't send me to prison or you'd be left to govern the kingdom and you can't even decide who's to come to Sonia's birthday party. Majesty, burst out the Lord Chamberlain. I can't stand by and see you sent to prison. I must own up. It was I who smashed the statue. Now, 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 cried the second footman. It wasn't him, I mean he. It was all my fault. I bumped into him and he knocked over the statue. Everybody seems determined to take credit for smashing the statue, said the king. Perhaps this has something to do with it. He held up an ancient roll of paper that he had found sticking in the broken off leg of the statue. This appears to be a piece of writing left in the statue by the original charcoal burner. He read it through again. Yes, good gracious. It says that the charcoal burner thinks the statue is frightful and not a bit like him. And whoever has the courage to smash it is to receive the bag of money he's put in the statue's boot. They all made a dash at the broken foot of the statue and dragged out a bag full of banknotes. They're mine, said the Lord Chamberlain. I smashed the statue. I said so just now. Now, now, said the second footman, I pushed you, so I really broke the statue. The money must be given to me. Nothing of the kind, said the Queen, in her loudest and most majestic voice. I broke the statue only a moment ago. The money is my royal prerogative. What's it? Oh, said the King. I really think you're all wrong, you know. 
This paper says the money is going to whoever is courageous enough to smash the statue. None of you were at all courageous enough to do anything of the kind. You did it by accident. The paper says nothing about smashing the statue by accident. So the money comes to me as head of state. Then there was a great deal of argument until they had a closer look at the bag of banknotes. And they discovered that although the notes had amounted to a fortune in the charcoal burner's day, they were now worth only the incredible alien equivalent of 22 pence. I reckon we get more by selling the notes to someone who collects old papers, said the king. So they did, and they got the equivalent of 35 pence for them. All that anxiety for nothing, moaned the Lord Chamberlain. But the king and queen were quite happy. No more statue to hate looking at. No more statue to be dusted. It will give the servants more time to clean the silver, said the queen happily. And in place of the statue, the queen had an enormous vase put on a pedestal and filled with imitation daisies that lit up in the evenings. <laughs>